The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to a brand new week of Sports Day WA. Thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. I'm exhausted after the weekend just gone. You know, watching the World Cup cricket, the Matildas in all their glory here at Optus Stadium yesterday, 59,000, I think 100 people assembled. There were queues a mile long to get in. Uh, Simply, who were the gate attendants, uh, couldn't handle the influx of people all at once. Uh, There were queues left, right and centre here at Optus, but they finally all got in. And it was just under 60,000 people that assembled here to see the Matildas. And in particular, Sam Kerr put away a hat-trick. Caitlin Ford also a hat-trick and an 8-0 demolition of the Philippines. And I just think for the people that came along, it was entertainment of the highest order. If you've heard the news, if you haven't, I'll let you know that the good oil for Cobram Estate is premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. And at the completion of this year's AFLW season, current Fremantle Dockers Executive General Manager of Football Peter Bell will assume a new role on the club's executive as Executive General Manager of Football Talent, Strategy and Special Projects. Now, the club's current Chief Operating Officer and former GM of Football Operations and Performance, Joe Brighty, will take on the role as Fremantle's EGM of Football and will feature more of Joe Brighty because he was on the program just prior to mine that run home with Paul Hazelby and Damian Martin. will feature a couple of clips of what he had to say about his new role. One of the leading stories today for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in Northern Victoria. The other significant story is the Eshamandal Football Club, who have been fined $10,000 and will start uh, season 2024, the premiers of this year, minus four points. It goes against what I floated late last week, was where I was under the impression they would get the $10,000 fine, but there may have been a suspended game sentence. Joining us is Michael Roberts, the West Australian Football Commission CEO. Michael, thanks for your time. Afternoon, Pete. Well, as I said, late last week, I was under the impression it might have been a two-game suspended sentence and a $10,000 fine. In the end, it's come out now officially. East Fremantle will start next season, minus four premiership points and $10,000 lighter in the hip pocket. Uh, tell us about the process that came to that conclusion. Yeah, so we undertake uh, independent audits of uh, some of our clubs this year. And um, through our audit, um, the report came back that there were a few uh, issues that uh, East Fremantle had during the 2022 season um, that um, put them over the the salary cap. Um, And so those breaches were assessed. Um, We got a club response and uh, the commission met and uh, the verdict was that, uh, yeah, that that, uh, the club was in fact in breach of the salary cap in 2022 and handed down those, uh, those, uh, penalties of four premiership points, $10,000 fine, and a reduction of five player recruiting points for next season. Mm-hmm. So when you look at where East Man will sit, uh, $10,000 minus four points, um, how does it compare 
to what South Fremantle copped. What was their fine? Because they were docked eight points, but I believe their fine was a bit more significant. Was that meaning that the Bulldogs' misdemeanor was more significant than the Sharks? Yeah, their fine was $25,000. Um, so we don't usually, uh, or in the process, you don't sort of compare um, instances. Uh, each each incident is uh, assessed on its on its own merit um, with its own information. And um, unfortunately, the majority of, of what's put East Fremantle over um, the cap was a uh, was an administrative error where a, an external bookkeeper has um, processed superannuation and, and done it incorrectly. And, and so the, a, a number of players, in fact, most of the list were actually um, paid. Uh, an increased or an inflated amount of superannuation as their final payment for the year. So that uh, has been assessed that it, it was an error. It's uh, unfortunate that it um, wasn't picked up by the club and um, there were some other errors as well that, that put them over the cap. Michael, it's happened now twice, both Fremantle clubs in successive seasons. Is the commission now putting the, the Waffle clubs at a bit of notice? Because from an image point of view, you can't afford this to happen be happening repeatedly. No, look, that's right, um, and, and it should be noted we had three other clubs audited in, in twenty twenty or for the twenty twenty two season um, this year, and, and uh, none of those clubs came back with with issues. So it, it's not it's not a sort of widespread thing across the the competition, and um, we know that, uh, that the clubs uh, run it. Uh, on, on lean operations and uh, some of these mistakes will happen. But uh, at the same time, we've got a, a duty that, um, you know, it's our responsibility to maintain the integrity of the competition, make sure it's fair um, for all. Um, so unfortunately, these things may pop up time to time. Unfortunately for us, it's uh, it's two years in a row. Mm. Let's move on. Uh, there's been a bit of speculation how the 2024 season is likely to play out from a fixturing point of view. Can you enlighten our Sports Day WA listeners across the state? Firstly, uh, if there's been any decisions made on how many games will be played, when the finals will be played, or is it still very much uh, for debate? No, look, we're, we're coming to a conclusion. Uh, I think an announcement will be made shortly that uh, what we did uh, a couple of weeks ago was, was put it out to our waffle clubs and um, all of our stakeholders um, in, in football because it's important, and I think this year showed with the, the 27,000 people that turned up to the grand final that uh, it's more than just the waffle. Um, it, it's the, the pinnacle of, of football in WA for for our state that, that we can host a grand final that junior football, country football, uh, amateur football, everyone can be part of and, and attend. And you know, the junior parade was a significant, um, I guess, number of kids that got the opportunity to, to walk uh, in between games and uh, walk out there as their, in their premiership team. And um, so we've gathered all that feedback and, and we took it to the board. And um, yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting debate of whether you move the season forward to try and um, capitalise on the free air that uh, is football in WA or you, you have it uh, as we did this year. So uh, we're not too far away from announcing the decision. So there. there will be a decision probably, what, in uh, coming weeks or days? Uh, I'd say days. Okay, so we might hear something later this week or next week. All right, Michael, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, by the way, uh, we talked about women's sport. We saw the Matildas here yesterday, 59,100. And although a lot of people are scratching their heads wondering, where did this team come from? It's just blown everybody apart, hasn't it? Yeah, look, it's it's wonderful for, I mean, WA, you can, 
you can have any sporting event in WA and, and the fans will turn up. I think that's one of the great things about our state. Um, but secondly, you know, the women's sport is, uh, we, and we see it in football, we see it at the Waffle uh, w as well. I think you just need to give the girls the opportunity, and uh, and they'll get out there and, and they'll play and they'll be supported. So, wonderful for not not only women's football or women's sport, but um, I think sport in general in WA. Yeah, good on you, Michael. Thanks for joining us, mate, and clearing up the instrumental situation and where we're at regarding the WAFL program for next year. Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. There you go, Michael Roberts joining us. Uh, you can join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine. Which way would you like to see the Waffle Finals? There is talk that the grand final could be played uh, uh, the weekend of the AFL bye before the AFL finals get underway, which means that the season could start in early March or they just leave it where it is, where the WAFL grand finals played on the Sunday of the preliminary final in the AFL. In other words, about six days before the AFL grand final. Your thoughts on? It. Love to hear from you on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Nolsey says, Good day, Peter. Uh, he says, There is always talk about Sam Kerr and how good she is, but in all honesty, I believe she is basically the finisher of her teammates' good ball placement. Surely Mary Fowler has to be up there in regards to being one of the best in the world because I think. She is better than Kerr. Just my thoughts, Nolsey. Well, in the end, that's a striker's job. A striker's job is to be fed by the midfielders and to finish it off. And there's no question, when it comes to finishing off, Sam Kerr is one of the best. And some of the biggest names in world sport uh, when it comes to football are the strikers and the way they finish off uh, in relation to goals. So I don't think anyone can get, get close to Sam Kerr because she scores goals in important matches as well. As far as Mary Fowler's concerned, she is super skillful. Unbelievable. I love watching her because she's got great skill close to her feet. And the way she reads the game, the through passes, the ability to cross. And uh, as we saw with the cross to Sam Kerr and that headed goal, which sealed Sam Kerr's hat trick, she's just got a great ability to read where her teammates are and, of course, then execute the perfect pass. Uh, she is a wonderful player, Mary Fowler. And at 20 years of age, she could be anything going forward. Got it in, Nolsey. Thanks for that. Okay, let's get into the top five at five. And there's a Novus Auto Glass near you. 13, 22, 34. Number five. Alligator Blood at the 200 took the front. Romantic Warrior the outside. Alligator Blood at the 100. Romantic Warrior, Mr. Brightside. Still Alligator Blood. Mr. Brightside coming at it with Romantic Warrior. It's a photo finish. Mr. Brightside or Romantic Warrior. Yes, the Cox played, of course, the uh, richest uh, wait-for-age race uh, in Australia, in fact, in the world, and it was Romantic Warrior that lived up to its huge international reputation, becoming the fourth Northern Hemisphere train winner of the storied Cox Plate by edging Mr. Brightside. As you heard, in a photo finish ridden by James McDonald, Hong Kong's premier middle-distance galloper surged home to claim Australia's Wait for age championship by a nose. Number four. Uh, no, staying, mate. Uh, always been committed to Australian rugby. Uh, I want to leave it in a better place. And that's still the job, mate. Long term? Uh, well, I'm committed to make it a better place. It's been an absolute car crash over 10 months. Ready Jones, two wins from nine games. Swallowed his first time bowing out in the pool stages at a Rugby World Cup. And 
um, 12 or 13 days ago. He said he was committed for the long haul and to see out his contract till 2027 and he quit last night. So, um, yeah, a very sad day for Australian rugby. I think clearly Eddie's trying to spin this and say it's a bigger, broader Australian rugby issue, but as so many people are saying to me and probably your your listeners, that it didn't have to be this way. He made sweeping changes to a team that was mm. not great, but not pathetic. Um, and, and they've had their worst World Cup result and um, why couldn't he have started the rebuild after the World Cup? He has four years heading into a home World Cup, um, but I just think he's seen the writing on the wall and he's not a very popular man in the Australian rugby landscape mm. today. So there you go. That's Tom Decent, the Sydney Morning Herald reporter here on SEN, and that's Eddie Jones, what he said when he arrived back from that failed World Cup attempt at Sydney Airport, saying he's uh, basically committed to the Australian Wallabies. We're going to talk more about that later on the program. Mick Collis is my rugby expert uh, when it comes to Sports Day WA. He'll talk about Eddie Jones. He's got his spin on it. Always very interesting uh, is Mick Collis. And also we'll touch on the big World Cup final between South Africa and uh, the All Blacks as well. Number three. Got to keep going. They've got to run. Got to get Jimmy Neesham back on strike. They simply must. Is he back? Is he back? Australia believe he is not. Australia believe he is not. Love a Shane again. Lockie hits. Can't get it through. Australia won. Australia won a magnificent game of cricket. Well, it was a magnificent game of cricket. Uh, the fact that both sides uh, were just up against it. 388 Australia and 383 New Zealand. And in the end, Australia won by five runs. It was just an absorbing ODI contest. Many say that the 50-over side game possibly is dying. But if you have contests like that at a World Cup, then there's certainly life in that form of cricket. It was just an outstanding game. And New Zealand, credit where credit's due. They've had a tough weekend. They lost the cricket by five runs. And as we said, they lost the World Cup as well. Number two. The feed's good. Under pressure, the back is to Clark. It spits away. New Zealand desperately trying to rip it back from the box. It's gone down. Who's coming up with it? That might be it. South Africa fulfilled their destiny as history makers. Yes, well done to the Springboks. It's their fourth World Cup win. They are now the outright World Cup champions four times, the All Blacks three. And, of course, uh, the big controversy was that the All Blacks captain, Sam Kane, found himself in the history books as the first player ever red-carded in a men's World Cup final. Unfortunately, under the current rules, Kane had little argument where he collected Creel high as he stepped back inside with no mitigating factors. But the Kiwis deserve enormous credit and could have won it uh, for the way they fought and kept themselves in the game despite spending the majority of the final down to 14. Number one. Oh, lovely run from Carpenter outside. The cutback. And now Fowler! 15 minutes on the clock. And the Matildas have their early goal. And it's Mary Fowler. She is such a crowd favourite. Oh, she's done well. Skipping past Bonta into the area. Randall trying to go with her. The cutback for Kerr! And that's two. The hometown hero. Taking the roof off the stadium at Optus. 
The Matildas lead the Philippines by two goals to nil. And ball in, it's a good one for Kerr who can control. And that's three. Inside the opening half an hour, Caitlin Ford. Of a packed crowd and walking out, yeah, it was pretty nice, but um, a great performance by the girls. We've been training at this all week, and like I said, the first game we had a few things to work on, but um, no, I think everyone just came out here and gave 100%, and um, yeah, we worked our, our butts off today, that's for sure. There you go, Sam Kerr on the back end of that 8-0 win against the Philippines here at a packed uh, Optus Stadium yesterday. The caller was Robbie Thompson. I'm going to have a chat to him from the uh, Network 10 commentary team. He was here. He called the game also uh, earlier in the week against Iran. And I'll have to get his spin on what he saw and what he called last night or yet late yesterday afternoon our time. Robbie Thompson will join us next here on Sports Day WA.